2: I'm uh, going to give you the latest on the COVID situation and how it may or may not impact on the AFL games this weekend. Plenty has been said today across the day in a multitude of sports. So I'll play you that and a whole lot more. And, of course, time on is your say on the news of the day. one 736 736 Yes indeed, very good evening to you. Hope you've had a cracking Monday, however you've been putting it in. Uh, now is the time, of course, if you've been just saving up uh, what you've been wanting to say all day, one 736 736 if you're finally in the car and you finally knocked off and just ready to launch uh, and just put your two bobs worth in, if something's put a bee in your bonnet, if you want to get something off your chest, if something's really tickling your fancy, I'd love to hear it, one 736 736 your say on the news of the day. You can text as well on the temper text machine Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen temper a mattress like no other. So today, obviously, we learned that New South Wales eighteen new local cases detected from about fifty nine thousand or close to tests to eight pm. The outbreak has reached one hundred and thirty infections in New South Wales. In Victoria, no new locally acquired cases. A couple uh, new cases acquired from overseas. WA recorded uh, a single case. Overnight, And NT has recorded a new case in their two-day lockdown and is now being extended to a three-day lockdown. So what does that mean for footy at the moment this weekend? It's still very much a wait and see. So Fox Sports at the moment are running a story by Russell Gould from Newswire that ticket sales for Sunday's game in Perth have been put on hold as uncertainty grows around the weekend's fixture. So... We've been hearing a lot today about the possibility of a Victorian hub, um, new COVID case in Perth, uh, as well as the numbers in Sydney, Queensland, Darwin uh, is forcing a potential um, rethink or rejig of the games. So the Fremantle and Carlton game, uh, ticket sales have been put on hold for that. There's a chance it may be moved according to Russell Gould at Newswire. So obviously the dogs and the, Eagles played in front of no crowd at Perth, and we all agree now that that's just if any anything we can do to avoid playing games in front of nobody, uh, we should absolutely explore that avenue. So, um, Sam Walsh spoke today, uh, Carlton midfielder, um, about uh, where he thought that they were at, uh, and this is what he had to say about what he's expecting this weekend.
1: Yeah, but that's our mindset at the moment. We're looking ahead over there on Friday and go over there and get a job done. Um, sort of, we don't know what's going to appear down in the next couple of days, but we sort of can't start thinking that far ahead.
2: So that's where they're at at the moment. Just, they're still expecting to go, but uh, it's a wait and see on that particular game and on a few others as well. So the idea of a footy frenzy is being thrown up as well. Sam Wolf spoke about that uh he th- said that with the longer quarters and short turnarounds he he's thinking that it would be hard enough he said but if it was over a space of three weeks you could probably do it he said he hasn't looked that far ahead and which is pretty smart at the moment there's no point looking that far ahead when we're just not sure what's happening with a a, a situation that changes day by day so adelaide is also due to host brisbane at the adelaide oval that's in the saturday tw- uh, twilight time slot try saying that three times fast But the South Australian border is now closed to Queensland. So we're expecting that the Lions are going to be granted a special exemption to travel. Uh, Matty Nick spoke today uh, about what was in store for them and he just acknowledged that it was becoming harder and harder to find venues to play. So they'll be flexible uh, where they can. So the Lions could fly in and out of Adelaide on Saturday. It's been done before by Collingwood, Geelong. Uh, Sydney had to go through that uh, over the weekend. Uh, Obviously, they're pretty onerous Um, conditions that have been put on teams that are visiting, but we have been able to get it done and and teams have been able to to get a win as well. Richmond still heading to the Gold Coast on Thursday for now. That's despite the two new cases in Queensland uh, today. So Sydney and the Giants have also moved their footy operations to Melbourne. So most of the GWS playing group went, uh, but Sydney actually have moved 11 players out of Sydney and up into Newcastle. Uh, including Logan McDonald, the uh, number three pick and uh, number four pick in last year's draft, um, so that could continue on, and, and they're expecting an extended stay given what's unfolding in New South Wales at the moment. So the Swans take on West Coast uh, at GMHBA Stadium on Sunday. Um, the Eagles might have to hang around a, a little bit longer than that. John Longmire spoke about the current COVID situation uh, in his press conference today.
3: Yeah, look, we we. Uh... We felt our grouping. I'm talking about players and staff handled it really well last year in a, in a challenging environment on the hub. We last year we didn't know where we were going to go or how long we were going to be away from uh, for, and we handled it. We felt like we handled it really well, and uh, we've taken that same mentality into into this year as well. It's a little bit different. We only got sort of three hours notice last week to, to pack everything up and and get the squad to Melbourne. So things went pretty quickly. Um, and some of the uh, some of the iso isolation stuff was a bit different last week, but I think our, our group's pretty resilient, able to roll with the punches a bit, and um, and just take it as it comes. And that's what we were able to do last week. It was.
2: So that's uh, John Longmire speaking about the COVID situation. He also spoke about facing West Coast this weekend.
3: I'm always respecting West Coast. I mean, you look at their lineup. Um, their lineups um, very experienced. Quality players all over the place. Some of their players that came back in from injury last week got another game under their belt. So all those things come into it, um, and obviously they're rebounding. So um, so are we, mm-hmm. and so um, you know in the end we'll we'll take that as it comes as well.
2: John Longmire today in his press conference. Some injury news as well. So a lot of chat around Mark Murphy and whether or not uh, the Carlton should be doing everything they can to get him to 300 games. Well, he's expected to miss the next two weeks with a low-grade calf strain. Happened in the first quarter against the Crows. He was subbed out and currently sitting on 296 games and... Uh, If he misses the next two weeks, that would leave six games uh, for him to be able to get over the line to that 300-game mark. Uh, For the Tigers, uh, a bad weekend gets even worse. Noah Bolter uh, and Nathan Broad, Moses' injuries keeping them out, expected to be around finals. Uh, That's not good news. Nick Vlosten as well with a uh, cork in the quad and Marby Orchol, both questionable for round 16. David Asbury and Tom Lynch both listed as probable to play so they need uh, as many soldiers back as they can get Richmond at the moment as they should have by all rights been knocked out of the eight by the Giants over the weekend who had the door held open for them by Richmond after going down to the Saints by 40 points Uh, said come on in uh, we've, we've, we've put the kettle on. It's very nice and warm in here. We've cleaned the place for you. We've got it all decked out and ready to roll. All you have to do is just walk in the front door. And the Giants uh, t- tripped over on the doorstep uh, and couldn't get in. Um, retirement news today uh, for Collingwood fans. Levi Greenwood, I know, is uh, one of the beautiful Evie's favourite players at Collingwood. So it should be very sad to hear this news today. But uh, Levi Greenwood putting his health first. A series of concussions that he's had has uh, forced his hand and he will retire. After 160 games with North and Collingwood. 32 years of age, he'd been speaking to the club doctors and concussion specialists outside of the club following uh, his most recent concussion, which was in round five, um, a collision with Nick Natanui, um, and he has decided that that will do him in our great game of AFL. So we wish him all the best, Levi Greenwood, um, a heart and soul type player. Um, I think beloved by teammates, um, left no stone unturned. One of those players. It's not the most naturally gifted, but they do every single thing within their powers, and then and even beyond that, to to make sure that they uh, give everything of themselves to get the best out of themselves. So we congratulate him on his career, and we wish him all the best um, with what's to come. For the Brisbane Lions, Jared Lyons has re-signed, so he'd already uh, triggered an extension for next year, but they've wrapped him up for another two years after that, Uh, plays his 150th game this week. This is one of the great stories over the last few years, Jared Lyons, let go by Adelaide and then let go by the Gold Coast Suns, and a great lesson for us all sometimes when we're looking at what we don't have rather than what we do have. So the knock on him was his defensive work, and did he spread hard enough defensively, did he... Laying enough tackles and um, did he do enough of those things to, to warrant a game at Gold Coast? Well, he's one of the first picked now at the Brisbane Lions. He'd be in their top three this year in their best and fairest. He'll probably be in their top three of their MVP nominations, which he was last year. And he's absolutely a, a chance for All Australian given the, the form that he's in. You'd think he'd be in that squad of 40 for sure. Um, so he has uh, put Penn to a contract extension that sees him there till the end of uh, 2024. Uh, a big weekend from Melbourne. How how well have we gone dominating in COVID times uh, as a city and as a state? Um, obviously, COVID itself, we've had a a very tough run here. But our sporting organisations are just extraordinary. So last year, we had uh, Richmond winning the AFL, the Melbourne Storm winning the NRL, and the Vixens winning the Super Netball. Well, this year, as COVID continues to uh, wreak havoc throughout sporting codes, over the weekend, Melbourne City win their very first A-League Grand Final. They beat Sydney FC, deny them a chance to go three in a row. The team that beat them last year uh, in last year's decider. So a 3-1 win for them. uh, And also Melbourne United who wrapped up the NBL grand final series. Uh, they swept the Perth Wildcats, who just should have all of our respect and admiration for the way that they played. Uh, to be to keep Melbourne United to only single-figure margins when they didn't have Bryce Cotton, who averages 23 points a game, the league MVP. They had players injured. Um, they weren't able to get their full-strength roster and they were extraordinary through the grand final series but Melbourne United just too strong, they bat too deep and Jock Landau was the Larry Sengstock medalist uh, for the grand final MVP a a brilliant season from him, he had a chip on his shoulder about not being one of the three nominees for the MVP award, he was outspoken in regards to that saying that he believes he's a better player than those three Uh, and he's been rewarded as well with Melbourne United's MVP to cap off an incredible year for him, Dean Vickerman uh, spoke to uh, Sammy Edmond and Kingy, who were doing a great job filling in for Gary and Tim, he spoke and reflected on the season that was.
0: That was fantastic to start with, but um, yeah, just an incredible year that we'll, we'll all look back on and, and have moments and thoughts of, of the different things that happened, but to, um, you know, to have that huge road trip, a 30-day road trip to kind of finish the season and, and then get one more game back at home to, to close it out it was unbelievable.
2: Uh, he also spoke about uh, when he felt during the season, Dean Vickerman, that they were a championship-winning team.
0: We were feeling pretty good about the group when when we got Scotty Hopson. Um, you know, we thought he was one of the you know the best closers in the league last year and um, we loved the scoring punch. But then to have Jock Landale practising with us uh, all throughout pre-season, thinking he was going to go to the NBA or back to a, a major European club and, and then... To, to have that signature, you know, right before the start of the season, it was like, well, all right, we've, we've got, got enough it. talent to win it right now. How do, how do we, how do we make this work?
2: Uh, Dean Vickerman also asked about playing that grand final at home. They had to play the first two games on the road, which has only ever happened, uh, I think, one other time in NBL history, back in two thousand and one. Uh, with Illawarra Hawks, despite finishing lower than I think it was Cairns or Townsville, uh, despite finishing lower than them, they had to host the first two games. They actually ended up winning the title that year. Uh, it was their one and only for Illawarra. Uh, our very good friend Brendan Joyce, the coach that year, of course Dean Vickerman spoke about getting to play in the decider at home.
0: The news that we were coming home, and you know, I think originally it was, could it be regional? Is it going to be a thousand people? Is it going to be two and a half? Now it's at five thousand. You know, and and it was like, wow, this this is going to be a fun atmosphere. And um, I thought they were going to close off areas, but, you know, the whole place was open and people just kind of, you know, sat in different seats. But it had a great feel about it.
2: And also about Jock Landale and where his future lies. uh, Larry Sengstock, medalist so for the best player in the grand final series, the MVP of the series. And he was also Melbourne United's MVP announced uh, today as well.
0: Yeah, we certainly don't expect him to be with us next season. Um, you know, we think he'll go and have a, an amazing Olympic campaign um, and then he'll either be in the NBA in a situation that is good for him or or a really a major European club again. But again, we look down the track and say hopefully in the future uh, we can see him back in our league at some stage. Um, Replacement-wise, you know, it's difficult you know, we obviously look at the local market to start with. Is there, is there anyone um, that can fill his role? And obviously Joe Cool was amazing this year and, and we want to see a lot more from him. And, and now that uh, the league has gone to a three-import model as well, we, we, we look at um, you know, what, what we can do there.
2: So, Dean Vickerman, Jock Landale, you'd expect him to get picked up by an NBA side. He was uh, sensational this year for Melbourne United, the, the dominant big man in the competition. But they've certainly got stocks in that space. Mason Peatling shocked a lot of people with how uh, good a season he had um, and just earned more and more opportunity in the end uh, part of the starting five. And, of course, Joe lawala his ceiling is incredibly high. So, uh, don't worry. They've got plenty in reserve Melbourne United and congratulations to them on getting their second ever title as Melbourne United, four as the Melbourne Tigers and in 2017-2018 they got their first and they've been able to get their second uh, against Perth who denied them a chance of going back to back in the 2019 series so uh, a little bit of revenge for them and they won it in game three but as I said, Perth Wildcats were phenomenal in how they pushed them every inch and every second Uh, of every game, and it wasn't really decided until there was about uh, 10 seconds left on the clock. Such was Perth's desire to push it all the way to the final buzzer. Um, A-League, of course, these were the final moments for Melbourne City. There
4: we go, full-time whistler, Amy Park. It's a first title for Melbourne City, who add the championship to the Premiership. It's a dream first season for Paddy Kisnorbo as Sydney FC's Reigners Champions is brought to an end. And seven years after the City Football Group have taken over the club, they can finally say Melbourne City are champions of Australia.
2: Beautifully called as it always is by Simon Hill and uh, Scotty Jamison spoke to SEN today about being able to play uh, in front of a 50% capacity crowd uh, and to get that historic win.
1: Full credit to to the organisers, obviously with COVID, um, you know, we we had a a few tough restrictions put under there, but, you know, the atmosphere was amazing. Uh, Obviously most of it was was Melbourne City fans. So for us to have fifteen thousand pretty much uh, Melbourne City fans was, was special and, Like I said, it's about the club trying to capitalise on that now and and really um, put a a big marker of of, of where Melbourne
2: City is in the landscape. So SEN.com.au to hear Scotty Jamison's full chat today um, with Dwayne uh, and also Melbourne United's Dean Vickerman speaking to Sam Edmund and David King on SEN Breakfast. State of Origin last night, Queensland. Barely raised a yelp in, fr- and in front of a home crowd at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, it was one of the worst performances I can remember seeing in, in a state of origin. Uh, but from New South Wales, they were absolutely dominant from about the 15-minute mark where they were just too good uh, too often and, and won all the big moments. And they just could not put anything together. Queensland and their greatest ever, Cameron Smith, spoke about what would have hurt them most in regards to the loss in that game and the series loss as well.
4: Yeah, very disappointing uh, result last night, uh, getting beaten 2-0, and quite comprehensively, to be fair, um, 76 points to six across the two games. And Mm. um, I I guess the, the thing that hurts the pride the most would probably be being held to zero um, last night. It's the first time in Queensland I think we've been held to to blot. uh, And the first time in 27 years, guys, that Queensland haven't scored a point in an Origin game. So very disappointing.
2: Those are some big numbers and those are some embarrassing numbers from a Queensland point of view. Crash Craddock spoke to Kane Corns today and said this could be the start of a New South Wales era and it's just got that look about it. They're not a particularly old side, that New South Wales side, but they, uh, most of them will end up being uh, the, in the Australian side uh, for the uh, end of year tour, if they actually get to go on one. But the uh, Kangaroos representation will have very few Queenslanders, you'd think, this year. Plenty of AFL news today. Of course, Sam Walsh has spoken today. Lockie Hunter from the Bulldogs, Sam Frost from the Hawks as well so a heap to work through there and of course the mark of the year nominations the goal of the year nominations the AFL coaches votes are in we might even go to the coaches corner and of course time on your say on the news of the day so one 736 736 is the number to get yourself involved at any point time on SEN
1: you're listening to time on with Sam
2: Hargraves on SEN Uh, Mark of the Year, Goal of the Year nominations are in. Don't forget, get involved. one to 736 -736. Uh, You're saying the news of the day. That's uh, what time on is all about. Uh, And 433 on the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. Um, Chris uh, off the text. Richmond kicked their lowest score in 60 years. Could they have gone any further out of their way to ruin my multi? Chris, I believe that was at the top of their whiteboard. Uh, when they were going into that game, they had a lot of what they wanted to do and what they didn't want to do in that game. But at the very top, of their whiteboard it did say and i've i've seen exclusive vision it said ruin chris's multi at the top of the whiteboard so yeah sorry about that but that was just one of the game plans they took going in and uh they were able to execute that uh they weren't able to execute anything else unfortunately richmond their lowest score since 1961 but they were able to execute that um so uh, that gets a tick uh, from them from their match committee point of view anyway uh who's playing friday night please uh, in the afl dean great question Uh, And at this stage uh, for this Friday night, it is still um, Geelong and uh, Essendon at GMHBA Stadium. First time Essendon have been down there since 1992. Thursday night at this stage is still the Suns and the Tigers at Metricon Stadium. Uh, Chris, in these uncertain times, I'll be interesting to see where the grand final ends up getting played. Uh, I think we're all interested in that one uh, as well, from Chris. All these clowns who kick around the corner from 30 meters out should get a kick in the backside uh, from Ronald Dale Barassi. I'm sick of it. It's a bloody epidemic. Uh, that's from Muddo from Maslin Beach. So uh, those are just some of the texts that are coming through. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So the uh, Mark of the Year nominations: Charlie Cameron. Aaron Norton and Tim O'Brien for his uh, monstrous hang at the MCG on Sunday. Uh, Aaron Norton's was pretty darn special as well. Um, round 15, goal of the year nominations, Marcus Bontempelli from the Bulldogs. Uh, that snap on the left foot from very from a very, very acute angle. Uh, Harrison Jones uh, from the Bombers and Adam Saad, that running goal uh, for the Blues against uh, the Crows in that win. Um, and David... People and their multis and I can't read out what comes before it, but uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Dave. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So uh, a few people have been uh, behind or in front of a mic today, from a player's point of view. Sam Walsh is one of those. He spoke about the Blues feeling after getting a well a timely win as they start their um, external review of their football department this week
1: yeah it's obviously a good feeling today it's um when you're a bit sore and and ran down after a game it's good waking up off with a win under the belt so that's it, something um, we've sort of been wanting to build towards and we probably haven't been getting the results at the moment so um to see our fans pretty happy after yesterday it was good walking off the field he also spoke about
2: uh the external review that uh, is happening in and around the players at the minute
1: uh, no, I haven't noticed anything different at all. It's probably something we haven't really spoke about as a playing group. We have addressed it in terms of um, the review will be going on behind the scenes, but we're not too heavily involved as such as yet. So... It's more us, just focus on what we can control, which is trying to play good footy. And um, I feel like good organisations are always looking to review what, what they're doing and what they're doing well and what they can improve on. And that's how we're going to move forward as a club because we're probably not in the position we want to be in at the moment. So um, I think we've got to see it as a positive as a playing group. Uh- Sam Walsh also spoke about uh, where the
2: Blues are at defensively and some of the changes that they made against the Crows. It's been an area of their game that has been heavily scrutinised and for good measure. Um, they, uh, I think it's 17th or 18th at the moment for uh, scores against. Uh, and this is what he had to say about what they did coming
1: into the Crows match. Yeah, I think yeah, probably our defensive stuff's been a bit of a focus at the moment. You've got to be able to hold hold teams against their sort of scoring runs and I thought we did that well at times. Um, there's always going to be things to work on but I th- thought that, that, yeah, we didn't allow them to have easy scores which you probably have in the past weeks. Um, played a bit more on our terms which helped and then around the contest I just thought we played some smart footy at times and obviously got a run on in that second quarter which was nice to execute so um, a few little changes but we just got to keep chipping away
2: you uh, also spoke about the players taking ownership and the work that's ahead.
1: Yeah, I think we're pretty aware that we've still got a fair bit to work on. Uh, we're under no illusions that we're not in the position that we want to be, and that's for a variety of reasons. So it's up to us to take a bit of ownership and keep going forward. Um, yeah, it was a good win on the weekend, but it's only one game. So we've got a big one against Frio this week. So we know we're going to be up against a good side there.
2: Sam Walsh also spoke about Paddy Cripps' six-year deal to uh, be... Uh probably end up being a blue for life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure a lot of you ask any guy on the list, they're happy to put the team in in a good position by by their actions. And Krip is, um, yeah, it's a testament to him, really. Um, I've always said that he's an outstanding player, but his character off the field is what holds this club in such good stead, and He's been a great leader for the club. So um, for him to commit like that really sent a message to us. And, um, yeah, it's a pleasure playing alongside him. Looking forward to doing it for long more time, yeah.
2: Uh, Mark Murphy, obviously the injury to him and the, the quest for 300 games.
1: Sam Walsh was asked about that today. Yeah, it was obviously disappointing for Murphy. It's just, um, yeah, I think he's going to scan this morning on on the calf. Um, he's yeah, he's been such a loyal player to this club, and um, he's on the verge of the 300 games. It's been well documented, but um, yeah, his mood was good because we won. But obviously. Um, bit flattening for him to not be fully a part of it so I'm sure he'll get that checked out and then go from there. I'd love to but um, yeah, I, I suppose we just wait and see. There's still I think, eight games left in the season so still a fair bit of footy to be played out. And on his own form? Yeah, I think I've had a lot of really good support around me and probably the progression throughout my first three years is, has allowed me to go on ball and um, probably have a bit more opportunity in there and I've always said my running ability is probably going to be my main strength and that's what I've always got to try and bring to the table for the team and um, off the back of that I've been trying to also work on a bit of my contest work which is um, still a work in progress but something that I can feel like can keep taking my game to the next level but um, yeah it was great yesterday I feel like we started to play well as a team and really use the ball and work for each other which is something we want to do going forward. So Sam Walsh, who spoke today, uh, there's plenty more to work our way through
2: as well. Uh, Lockie Hunter from the Dogs is on the station today, so too. Sam Frost, uh, not the Bachelorette, but the uh, Hawthorne defender, so we'll hear from him as well. Uh, David King was on with breakfast today. Uh, he spoke about the Braden Maynard 50-metre penalty. Uh, Kane Corns has put a line through the Tigers. We'll hear what he had to say a- about them. And, of course, you can have your say on the news of the day. one 300 Dev Robertson, who's actually... Actually going to be in my heroes uh, after 7 o'clock for the Sporting Capital, Heroes and Villains, on a Monday night. He's the Rising Star nominee for Round 15. 16 disposals. He had five score involvements, five tackles and four intercepts. He, he went to Dangerfield early. When they put Dangerfield forward, he went to Selwood. He kept Selwood uh, to 13 disposals. He is going to be a star, this young man, and a, a worthy recipient of this week's Rising Star nomination. Greg and Blackburn, stay right there. I'll come to you on the other side of this. The Coaches Association votes as well. Uh, And from Aaron, who's a happy blue bagger today, Sam. Carlton's lapses must be mental or a fitness issue. I sat back with a smile on my face in that second quarter. It was great to watch. Aaron, uh, enjoy that one. This is Time On SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, Welcome back to Time On 1300 736 736. Uh, We heard a lot from Sam Walsh, uh, Carlton superstar on the rise moments ago. And Aaron in Tweed Hill says, Sam, take it to the bank. That is Carlton's next captain, Kids a ripper. Uh, hard to argue with that and it was interesting to hear his thoughts and how much praise he had for Patrick Cripps who of course a six year contract um, a lot of people uh, giving a round of applause to Patty for uh, what appears to be a, a, a pay cut don't know if it's an actual pay cut, certainly earning less per year but it would seem what they may have done there is gone, okay well instead of five years at this we'll stretch it out to be uh, six years and it ends up being this so he gets a, a, another year of footy as well for that six years but it's interesting that if it's to be believed around that $750,000 mark uh, at the very start of the year, I reckon that's what Kane Corn said that Paddy Cripps was worth and, and he got <laughs> pilloried for even having the audacity to say that that's what uh, Paddy Cripps is worth and whilst he probably was going to get more money elsewhere, uh, the loyalty he wanted to show to the Blues and uh, and the direction he believes that they're heading in and he uh, wanted to stay at that club and that's absolutely commendable and does that leave them a bit of room now to chase a, another free agent, Adam Cherry, is he the person? But so Swamp Thing had an interesting stat about Paddy Cripps that after 131 games, he's had more contested possessions than anybody. Kennedy and Fife sit second and third with that, and he's had more clearances than anybody. Um, He's actually had 100 more... uh, Sorry, he's actually had 70 more contested possessions than Josh Kennedy from the Swans, and he's had... Almost 199 more clearances than Josh Kennedy to be uh, number one in that particular stat. Number three is Simon Black. So uh, that would have made Blues fans very happy, and he played an important role in their win uh, over Adelaide as well. And it's when you're looking, and the, the thing about Carlton and leadership has been brought into question all year, and, and wanting to see somebody who stands up and, and, and sets the example. That's what the most successful sides of the last 20 years have done. Go all the way back to the Lions uh, who went three in a row in the early 2000s. They were able to do that by keeping a list together because they all took unders. So you look back, there is superstars on every line of that Brisbane Lions three-peat side, but they all got paid well under what they were worth to try and achieve the ultimate success. And so too did Hawthorne, so too did Geelong, so too of Richmond. A lot of players at Richmond have taken less so they can keep Dusty and they can get Lynch. Uh, That's what successful clubs do. People sacrifice something to achieve something greater. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Greg's in Blackburn. Hello to you, Greg.
0: Good Sam. Thanks. Nice to talk to you again. Lovely um, to talk just, to uh, you. What, yeah, not what I was going to ring about, but um, Paddy Cripps. I, I admire Paddy Cripps for that. There's a lot to be said to be a a one team player, and you know, mm. two hundred grand over six years, one point two mil is going to make it back in spades. So, and it's it's creeping back a lot more a bit more loyalty, I think it's a great thing. The reason I was calling is, what a conundrum Melbourne have. Mm. You know, they brought Viney in, they got rid of Wiederman, And Sam had, you know, five games, kicked three goals. I know Benny Brown hasn't been able to play in the reserves, but he's kicked five on the weekend. We're going to play finals. I would love to know the final structure of our side and what they're thinking. Yeah, it's, it is, it,
2: it is, Greg, it is. And, and it's the one area where you still probably just have a slight little query about Melbourne. I was talking about this to Liam Pickering on AFL Nation yesterday, and I just had a look at the numbers, and Adelaide, uh, sorry, Melbourne are eighth for goals per game on average. So the last three years, you've got to be sort of top three in goals per game. The sides that have won premierships have been top three in that area. So we know on grand final day, you can have the greatest defence in the competition, but you need to have a great offense. Grand finals are won, not saved, and, and and history tells us that every year, year in year out, grand finals are won. You've got to you've got to put a score on the board. So, how they then, and what is then their best forward setup? Um, gun to my head, I'd probably. Saying that it's Ben Brown, maybe it's a better mix with him, and then Fritch is the floater, and then Jackson, who spends some time in the ruck, being the the, the high flying target, uh, and then how do you set up and keep the leading lanes open? And then you have got the pressure players in there, Neil Bullen and Spargo. Uh, it's got a and obviously uh, Cozzy Pickett's got a dangerous look about it. Um, I, I would I would think if I had to had to nominate someone, I would say Ben Brown. But David King is far more learned than I, and this is what he had to say about that uh, with Sam Edmund on SEN Brecky today.
4: They took fourteen marks inside fifty on the weekend, nine different players. So I mean, it's, it's more about what you want. Do you want the predictability going forward that you're going to have a big target there? Personally I like the lineup now. I think the, the I think that they're better off going with a makeshift round the ground ruckman and using Gorn forward more if you need the big body. And it can be Jackson. They can alternate the two. They at times can have both down there. I think to, to have a an Oliver or a Harms or one of those guys do a a Marlon Pickett style who throw in ruck work for Mm. patches in the game wouldn't hurt them. Mm. Um, And if it goes deep down back, you've got got enough calls down there to take the ruck. So, no, I think what we saw on Saturday night will be them going forward for a while.
2: Uh, doing a nice job. David King, Sam Edmund filling in for Gary and Tim away for a couple of weeks on SEN Breakfast. So a couple of other talking points throughout the day that have uh, that have cropped up. One of those was the Braden Maynard situation. So this was at a pivotal point in the game. Collingwood and Fremantle, 15 minutes to play in the final quarter. Collingwood jump out of the blocks in the last. They kick the first three goals of it. Scores are level. A Nat Fifeless and Matt Tabanaless. Docker lineup up against a uh, a Jeremy Howless, a Gowyles, and moore uh, Mooreless Collingwood. So there was uh, players missing for both sides. It was actually a decent game of footy. Uh, I called that game uh, on the weekend, and then uh, Braden Maynard, who was desperately unlucky to get that call against him. And It was a howler, um, but then watching it back, he went. He was told a couple of times. He was given a fair bit of rope. And he took a little bit too much. And in the end, the umpire had had enough of copping what he was copping. And uh, 50 metres uh, was given. Uh, Liam Henry converted. uh, And then the Dockers hold on uh, to win that game and to just be percentage outside the the top eight now. Um, And the pies, that would have been three in a row for them. Uh, This is what David King and Sam Edmund had to say about it this morning.
4: I've grown to really enjoy Collingwood getting beaten over the years. But the way they lost on the weekend, I thought was really stiff with Maynard. The free kick against Maynard. That was appalling. So, I mean, sometimes if the umpire knows he's probably made a small mistake, just accept a little bit of feedback. Was it over the top? Maybe. Maybe. But you can understand the investment from Maynard, can't you? No, it was definitely a 50 because... No, but the free kick was... No, the free kick was terrible. So if you make He's actually error. created history by giving away a free kick for front-on contact while being pushed by the other player taking the mark. It was an incredibly bad decision, but... And it's easy in the stands, isn't it, to say you've got to keep your but cool, so the game's tied in the, the last The He's got to know he's made he's made bad he's ball. But he didn't give it back. Ball. He didn't give it back, and he made him watch the replay while holding onto the ball. You can't be doing that either, can you? But, yeah, it's line ball, but you've made a blue... The player's clearly going to be aggrieved. Mm. So just just accept it. Don't pay the 50.
2: Just relax. Uh, love Kingy to bits. Couldn't disagree with that more. Could not disagree with that more. Why is it okay that when an umpire makes a mistake that it's acceptable that we verbally abuse them? We've been doing it for 150 years and it hasn't made things get any better. Uh, that, that's not acceptable because we don't accept when players are abused for when they do something wrong on the field. Josh Dunkley's written an article about it when he dropped the mark. And um, and I'm not saying this is what Braden Maynard said to the umpire, but, you know, the things that were said to him via social media. You know, we've got people being charged now for for that kind of abuse. And I know Kingy doesn't equate the two, but why is it okay to, when an umpire makes a mistake, that, that it is okay for a player to verbally abuse them? Umpires don't verbally abuse players when they make a mistake. And they make plenty. The kicking... Efficiency average this year is 65%. Yet, when it comes to Razor Ray and he's bouncing, we're all, oh, I give it away, Razor, you can't bounce, you're terrible at bouncing. He revealed on Jerry Waitley's show a few weeks ago that he actually goes at 90%. So the, the the standards that we hold the umpires to are far greater than our fully professional players. So our part-time umpires are held to a standard that is so far and above our fully full-time professional players that it is laughable sometimes I could not disagree with that anymore. It's not okay. And Devin Smith found that out when the 100-metre penalty was given against Essendon on the weekend at a crucial time. That, an umpire, yep, it was a terrible call. It was a bad call. And trust me, there's been terrible shots on goal. There's out-of-bounds on the fulls each week. There's drop marks. There's, there's absolute howlers and stinkers from players and umpires every single week. But there is never. it's never okay. And the umpire actually did give Braden Maynard, a fair bit of rope. And he just took too much. So I love Kingy to Bits, but I couldn't disagree with that more. Um 736 1116. And what example does that set down the line when we're telling park footy, local footy, suburban footy that it's okay to abuse, it's okay to give a mouthful to an umpire if they've made a howler of a mistake? No, nah, that, that, we can't be having that. It was the right call. 50 was the right call then. It was the right call for Devon Smith. It was the right call in the end. It was a bad umpiring decision. Absolutely it was. But it doesn't justify what came after it. And fifty was absolutely the right call, and it's a shame because Braden Maynard absolutely loved. I mean, his two rundown tackles in that game were heart and soul stuff. It was sheer will and desperation. He is a hard on his sleeve top player, and you absolutely feel for him. There, no one likes to get a bad call against him, but you got to hold it in check. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty more that God said during the, the course of the day. I'll bring all that to you uh, on the other side of this zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEM
4: the dogs going forward. So it gets to the end of this year and they, they pick up Sam Darcy, who kicked, I think, six goals in the... Six. Under-19s under-19s Vic, Vic, Vic. Under uh, Vic Metro, yep, their trial match against Vic Country on Sunday. So he kicks six and now people are saying he could be by the end of the year the number one selection. Yeah, well let's just say he's, let's say he's in the top ten. It doesn't, doesn't matter what number he is. Yeah. He's a he's a bona fide AFL player. So they've already got last year's Christmas present, they haven't unwrapped yet, and Jamar Uglehagen, and, and they've We've got Norton at 21 years of Long's age. Norton's a baby. Tim English he is look young. Like, he looked like Wayne Gary yesterday. He took nine marks, six, I think six, cont- no, five contested, six inside. How old's the 50. Bond? 25. Bond's 25. McRae's. McRae and Hunter and 26. Yep. You're talking uh, dynasty. Well, I think so. I, I mean, you look at the list build, they just need, they're going to have the ability now to get the steak knife type player. You know, the Brian, Brian not that Brian Lake's a steak knife, but they they paid a second round pick for Brian Lake. Uh, the Hawks, and was the one piece they needed to finish off the rest. I think the, I think at the end of the year, the Dogs are going to be in that position.
2: Kingy and Sam Edmund, SEN Breakfast today. That's one I can't argue with. Uh, I couldn't agree more with Kingy on that one. The Dogs have just got that little bit of something special about them. There's that vibe to what they're putting together. And when you look through the age profile, it makes a lot of sense what Kingy's saying. And Lockie Hunter was on SEN today, and he spoke about what this team feels like.
4: It, um, yeah, it feels pretty good. I've played in some, some pretty good teams. And, um, yeah, this one, this one definitely feels pretty special. We've got some, some pretty good players throughout the whole team. And and the general feeling um, throughout the coaching group and the players is is that, yeah, there's, there is something special here. And we want to
1: make the most of it. Uh,
2: so that 13-20-98 to 6-7-43 win over the West Coast after they'd been quarantining during the week. They're the one team that hasn't had a break. Uh, when the buys were happening for everyone else, they kept training given what the uncertainty around their situation and the ability to travel and, uh, and what was unfolding. So they just kept working all the way through. They were just awesome against West Coast. I and mean, that's one of the performances of the year. And if they had a kick straight, it would have been uh, even more brutal. And off the text, it's coming through as well. What about the Bulldogs? If they kick straight, they could have won by 140 points. Uh, West Coast Eagles are stuffed. Hard to argue with that one as well. Lockie Hunter spoke about the mentality that they took in uh, to this week's game.
1: As I touched on, you've kind of got to take
2: motivation from wherever you can get it. And, um, yeah, it was. It was uh, you know us against them, us against the Eagles, us against us against everyone who was over there, really, because... You know, you cooped up in this thing with a fence around your hotel and um yeah. It's an interesting kind of setup. So So, yeah, that was our, that was kind of our build-up to the week. Uh, some injury news coming through. That was LockieHunter, SEN.com.au to hear the rest of that chat. They landed back in Melbourne at midnight last night. Uh, Collingwood are going to be without gun forward, uh, young gun, uh, sorry, Bo McCreary for at least six weeks after he injured his hammy in the early stages against Freo. A lot to like about that young man. His forward pressure is already elite for a first year. I think he's equal first in the competition for average tackles inside 50 uh, per game. Uh and for Fremantle, Matt Tabiner is going to expected to miss a month after injuring his calf, but the Dockers are confident that Fife will be back to take on the Blues this Saturday night. A few off the text in regards to the Maynard 50, uh, Wally in Blackburn South. Agree with you Sam, Maynard free kick was very questionable and seeing it in slow-mo it was wrong but he was undisciplined. The umpire doesn't need to cop it. Maynard turned a 5% shot into a 100% shot. Uh, Kingy is off the mark. Um, they need to pay more 50s not less. The amount of crap we see from the man on the mark is ridiculous. The amount of guys that deliberately stand two metres over the mark until the umpire asks them to move back nicely and get away with it drives me nuts. And I thought this was really insightful. And think Socrates, think the greatest sort of philosophers uh, that you've read or heard in your history. And this is probably up along the lines of that. In regards to this issue, Matt's provided this little gem, shut up D-head, PC police. So that's just... I mean that is just quality stuff, Matthew. Thank you so much, and I think we're all uh, better for that. I think we've all learnt something there, so we appreciate that. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So start getting your nominations sorted for heroes and villains uh, in the sporting capital, which is up uh, in the next hour before BP has a special hour and a half episode of the first serve Wimbledon uh, starting tonight. But the coaches' votes are in, so. Thursday night, Lions and the Cats, nine votes. Dane Zorko uh, had 12 tackles. He was superb uh, back into the side, the skipper. Um, and he's just had a really good last sort of four to five to six weeks. Uh, Marcus Adams and Charlie Cameron got six. Daniel Rich got five. And Oscar he got four. So no cats in the votes from either coach. Uh, in the Richmond and St Kilda game, Luke Dunstan got the 10. Uh, kept Dusty to 22 and one. Had 32 and one uh, of his own. The one being a goal. Jack Steele got the eight. Cal Wilkie four. Dougal Howard as well. Paddy Ryder got three. And Dylan Grimes the sole Tiger with a vote there. For North and the Gold Coast, Jai Simkin got eight. Zurhar and Goldstein got six. Cunnington got five. Took Miller the four and Ben Mackay got one. Collingwood and the Dockers, ten votes for Dave Mundy. He was superb. Six for Braden Maynard. Four for Lobb. Three for Adams and H, Two for Grundy. Uh, one for Brayshaw and one for Sean Darcy. For Port Adelaide and Sydney, ten votes C. Dixon. Luke Parker got eight. Three votes to Mills, Boak, Franklin and two for the Lysette and One for Willem Drew. Essendon and Melbourne. Ten votes went to Steve May. Four to Gorn and Lever. Three to Brayshaw, Oliver, Merritt. And two to Heppel. One to Petrarca. For the Giants and the Hawks. Nine to Will Day. Six to Tom Mitchell. Five to McAvoy, Four more. Four Scrimshaw. Two Whitfield. Uh, The Eagles and the Dogs. Ten to Marcus Bontempelli. And eight to Bailey Smith. Six Aaron Norton. Four McRae. One Daniel And one, Bailey Dale. uh, And Sam Walsh got the 10 votes for Carlton. Sporting Capital is up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.